You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. You may know that occasionally we like to cross post some of our episodes from other channels. In this episode, you'll be hearing from myself, Andrew Meredith, who is a financial planner and co-hosts a weekly segment with me over on the Australian Investors Podcast. We dive deep into everything you need to know about Vanguard, and we try to do that in 20 minutes or less. Drew and I occasionally do these shows on a Monday afternoon over on the Australian Investors Podcast, where we pick one topic and we dive into it end-to-end in 20 minutes. This one happens to be on Vanguard. If you like the episode and you want to extend your knowledge just a little bit further, you might want to jump across or even just subscribe to the Australian Investors Podcast, and that way you get the best of both worlds. I hope you enjoyed this episode with me, Owen Rask, and Drew Meredith of Waddle Partners. Drew Meredith, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Good to be here. Yeah. Summer series, and we are doing everything you need to know, everything you need to know about Vanguard. It's a Vanguard. Vanguard, yes. Um, so Vanguard, which is the funds management organization that everyone knows basically in the world. And we're going to talk to you about this for around about 15 minutes, maybe 20 if we push it a bit. We're going to tell you everything you need to know, but obviously we're going to have resources as we have with our other summer series, uh, shorter format episodes. Remember, this is not part of our usual uh, programming. We're doing this in summer, in January, because... Uh, it's a good way to kind of get people up to speed that may be new to these concepts or topics. 
uh, there will be other episodes and Drew and I will be back with uh, questions and answer sessions in Feb. So, Drew, Vanguard, do you invest with Vanguard? Yes. Okay. And that's it. That's the episode. <laughs> Quite broadly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I think uh, the, uh, you'd struggle to find someone that doesn't or hasn't. Yeah, in some Particularly way. an advisor and likely an investor as well. Yep. They're, they're just like the definition or so central to investing in, in the last 30 years. Mm, yeah. So, Vanguard started in 1975 in Malvern, Pennsylvania. And I do have a note here that that's near Dracula's family office. Uh, <laughs> did I say that correctly? <laughs> Jack Bogle or John Bogle, uh, he started out with a very simple idea that he looked around and thought everyone seems to be doing worse than the index. As in, most of the fund managers aren't doing as well as the Dow or the SP 500. Uh, Surely there's a way to just do what that thing does and provide that to investors in a low-cost way. So, he started way. the active versus passive debate, debate yeah. in 1975. Yeah, yeah. And so, there's he Jack actually passed away uh, a few years ago in 2019. And at the time, I wrote this uh, short thing, which I'll just quote. In 1974, after being fired from his high-flying finance job, John, aka Jack Bogle, set about creating something which would later be called an index fund. I'll forgive you for not knowing who Bogle was, what Vanguard does, or the trials he had to endure to see his idea flourish. But I believe the idea Bogle set in motion had the most significant impact on our financial on the financial lives of Australians more than any other person in history. End quote. Now, there's a pretty simple reason, um, but it's like tectonic plates that he set in motion um, around this, which is that... He looked around and he thought, yeah, well, all these active funds are doing uh, not doing as well. We've got a session on uh, index investing coming up. But um, he also found that even people who bought individual stocks did worse because the fees were so high. This is yeah. like the 1950s, 60s, 70s yeah. when brokerage was sky high and all these types of things. You couldn't buy everything. So, yeah. he is actually credited with the first index fund. However- Which kind of cannibalized his own industry. It did, yeah, from yeah. where he came. Yeah. But this is the thing. He wasn't actually the first one to launch an index fund. The co-founder of Dimensional is believed to have launched the first index fund that was properly marketed. But he is, Bogle is basically the poster child for that. For indexing. Yep. Yeah. So, my belief is that Vanguard is the most single most disruptive force that has ever, like it's probably the, the most disruptive force, period. If you think about disruptive organizations or companies, it has, in simple terms, probably given you 10 years more of your retirement. Yeah. Not necessarily because you invest with Vanguard, but because it's impact on the industry of what we call finance. And the provision of capital. Or the, you know, essentially, what they're doing is allowing investors to offer capital to businesses. Yeah, exactly. Because they're, t they're keeping- more in your pocket, which then means you're investing more yep. and you're also able to draw down more in retirement. Um, it, it, hasn't worked, it hasn't been so great for the high-flying finance industry, but for the most part, it's incredible. Like the Productivity Commission found that if you just picked a low-fee super fund, which may or may not use index funds, but it probably is something similar, um, and they tended to have high performance, which we know they tend to do compared to active funds, it added between two and seven years to your retirement. Yep. It's cost over the long long term, cost is so important, keeping yeah. costs under control. And that's what they're- And the entire premise was built on how 
management fees are supposed to be charged, which is the idea that as your assets go up, the cost of managing those assets reduces. Yeah. And most, uh, it's only really groups like Vanguard and BlackRock that actually, that are, that are implementing that. Yeah. So interestingly, um, he first did his thesis on this idea of an index fund and index investing in 1951. And I said to you off air that that was the same year that Warren Buffett named Geico as his <laughs> favorite security to watch. Um, and it's incredible. That was just the same year. But, um, so, active and passive both active, work. Yeah, both, yeah, both sides. But what was interesting is then, if you think about that, it took him 23 years from the idea to actually make it happen, which is incredible. Yeah. It's a long time. Like, imagine if you had an idea nowadays as a startup, you're like, this is a great idea. 23 years later, <laughs> you'd have 10 startups that come and go between that time. Well, it was, it was like a socialization of investing, yeah, like which democratization. Was, which is yeah. probably, if you said that word socialization- Yeah, in the, in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. 70s like, yeah. You're not going to get- You're going to win too many friends. Yeah, yeah commies yeah. and all that sort of stuff back yeah. then. Um, We're going to give money back to the people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't sound great. It redistributed wealth. That's <laughs> just not good. Um Today, Vanguard manages over seven trillion US dollars. That's ten trillion Aussie. Ten trillion. So it's equivalent to Australia's GDP for seven years. <laughs> so managed all of Australia. By Vanguard. Yeah, yeah, just managed by Vanguard. Uh, but it is not the biggest. The biggest index fund provider or asset manager in the world is BlackRock. Only I remember meeting them and talking to them about the race to ten trillion. Yeah, right. BlackRock and uh, Vanguard, I think maybe State Street or someone else was. Yeah, behind. State Street's the yeah. third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interestingly, interestingly, BlackRock is a public company. Uh, it is what is it, measured at this morning, 110 billion US dollar market cap. Yeah. So it's actually interesting. You go into some of the big Vanguard funds and you see BlackRock as a holding. Yeah. <laughs> they're that big. <laughs> yeah, they're that yeah. big. So it just goes to show how incredibly dominant these businesses are. These, they call them the big three of index funds and ETFs. See, Vanguard is- um, like, a, like a co-op? Yeah, it's yeah, it's because unique ownership structure. The, I believe it's just the US funds yep. own the structure of Vanguard. Yeah. So, the funds themselves own Vanguard, the organization. Yeah, you can't buy- uh, It's not publicly listed. Yeah, it's not- And it's not held by any one individual. Yeah. So, if you are an investor in Vanguard's US funds- there's some ownership in there that connects back to the mothership. Yeah. And this is, I believe, this is makes it unstoppable. Yeah. Because Self-perpetuating. Yeah. How can you compete against something which is the lowest cost, but also puts all those costs back into lowering costs? Yeah. It's like Amazon on steroids. And race to zero. Race to zero. Yeah, basically. There are already zero. I think BlackRock may even have some zero fee funds. Yeah. But um, it's, in, it's an incredible- business and it's probably i don't have the numbers but i would imagine it's probably the most trusted brand in funds management surely it would have to be up there have to be close and most recognized yeah so as you know blackrock is massive and advisors probably know that well but vanguard's personal their their connection with the consumer in multiple countries is Mm. significant it's actually it's actually funny because um i was in sydney last week as you know and i was chatting to another etf provider and they were saying, oh, it's really interesting. You know, our average ETF balance is $80,000. So, yeah. an average investor has $80,000 of our ETFs. Whereas with Vanguard, they, they said it was $5,000 or something. And yeah. I just did the numbers. There's only some funds that are below 10, 10K. But for example, the Vanguard VAS ETF in Australia, which is the Australian shares ETF, the average trade size is 21000 Yeah. With 
VDHG, which is their like off-the-shelf solution, which is probably the most popular in Australia if you're DAX a retail investor, $5,000 is the average trade size. Yeah. So Vanguard has this incredible ability to engage millions of people around the world with smaller balances. Whereas they, and we've talked about this on the show before, how they tend to not focus on institutional money. So if like you've got a big super fund that wants to invest with them, they're not as inclined as some to take $10 billion and manage that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they would do it for the right <laughs> price, but um, they tend to, because they've, they've, they've managed to cut through directly to the end investor and say, here's an ETF, here's a fund that you can invest in off the shelf, yep. um, which is incredible considering how hard it is to get financial advice here in Australia. That's why it's got so much trust, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And that's yeah the way they've launched their direct consumer superannuation product this year as well. Yeah, we talked about that not too long ago, how Vanguard launched into superannuation. Um, the other thing that they do really well in the US is financial advice. And they also yep. do uh, like a platform for um, managing your money as well. Yeah. Uh, here in Australia, you've got like a, what we would call a brokerage account. Um, they don't do the advice as far as I know. I don't think there's any of that sort of stuff here in Australia. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but they do do superannuation now. They've launched a product in that space so you can move your super over to Vanguard, which will be an, an attempt to get bigger balances and to get more people invested in index fashion. And most of their money is actually in funds, which people, you know, ETFs are, yeah. are common and what we all talk about now. But majority of Vanguard that's under manager will be in their US mutual funds or their Australian managed funds, yep. which are the non-listed version. Yep. And ETFs, I think the whole ETF market in Australia is only 100 billion or 110 billion. Yeah. Uh, so it's they offer a, a, a multiple options uh, all along that passive index tracking side. It's interesting because most people that would probably listen to the show um, don't know this, but like for a financial advisor, a managed fund is often better because you can negotiate on fees, not necessarily with Vanguard, but with some of them you can get better rates if you yep. go direct. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's like there was always that incentive there, but whereas with an ETF, it's just whatever you get is off the shelf. Uh, interestingly, so Vanguard, yes, has this massive mutual fund business or managed fund. Mutual fund, by the way, just means managed fund. Uh, it's US yeah. says mutual fund, we say managed fund. Um, primarily, Vanguard is known for like passive investing in ETFs. Oh, sorry, in equities or shares and bonds. Yep. However, um, it has active strategies. Yep. So this is the thing that it's probably a bit of a- And they distribute a few, uh, another manager here as well, I think. Yeah. It, and it's a bit weird because the, what they deem as active is not what you and I would call active. Yeah. We'd call it smart beta or we'd call it factor-based investing, which is just like low PE stocks, Value, high dividend- Momentum. Momentum. like Low volatility. Yeah. Yep. And these are based on academic studies that have been around since the 70s, which basically showed that there are a few different drivers of stock market or stock prices, statistically speaking. Like you said, momentum, which is just what was the share price a year ago versus today. Buy more of the ones that are going up. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, the value being like low PE ratio, low price to book ratio. Uh, quality is high return on equity. Low leverage. Yeah, low leverage. Um, and so you can quantitatively measure these companies and they can just bundle that into one big fund. Which is more along the lines of what Dimensional does, which is a, they call it, I think it's evidence-based investing. Yeah. Where they're applying a more, rather than just uh, what, what you're seeing in Vanguard, a majority of it is an index approach that relies on size. So yep. you're buying, you're tracking indexes. Buying the are, biggest. Yeah, that are sized by market cap. 
Whereas what you're talking about is what more of what dementia will do, which is blending the different factors or the different uh, drivers of returns. Yeah, quantitatively, like they're statistically, if you think about that statistic class you did at uni, they probably did about 10 of those, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> so they're trying to get all the statistics on all these different metrics or factors that we call them uh, to put them together. Interestingly, um, Vanguard had this statement I noticed on their institutional website because they all have different like portals depending on who you are. But one of the things, one of the studies that they reference or one of the notes they say is, quote, 88% of our actively managed funds have outperformed the average returns of their peer groups over 10 years. So um, in other words, like these factor-based funds, they say, if you just take it like the value fund from Vanguard versus the value fund managers that do everything else, um, the longer you go, typically the more likely it is a rules-based strategy wins yeah because long-term investing is about managing risks and basically repeatable processes are a way to manage and have transparency around risk like a fund manager that focuses on value investing only really needs to get like one or two wrong uh and then their track record is shot yeah um so another thing that you mentioned before is that etfs aren't their biggest game in town but it's probably fair to say that it will probably be the bigger driver the way we think about it over the next- where all the growth's going. Yeah, where all the flows are going at the moment. I think most other sectors have outflows. All the funds have outflows and ETFs, the only region getting, area getting inflows. And that's because, well, I think in Australia, there's a big reason for this, but this is a global um, theme that we're seeing play out. But I'd say in Australia, because it is so hard to get advice for accumulators, the people that are adding money, well, they just go, well, I'll just put it in an ETF. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to bother with the paperwork. Forget about it. Just chuck it in and see you later. And so, interestingly, Vanguard has the most money in their in ETFs in Australia. So they manage the most money by far, by a very long way. Like sixty percent of the market, close to. It'd have to be something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If I'm excluding Magellan, yeah. If we're excluding Magellan, Um, now the interesting thing is, even though it's by far the biggest. it actually turns out that it collects the third most fees. So much bigger, lower <laughs> fees. Yeah. Um, Magellan is number one because it's an active fund that has ETF wrappers, yep. uh, which we, we'll cover ETFs in a bit. But then beta shares is right behind. So in terms of the annualized fees that I calculated, uh, I think Vanguard is 66 million uh, for the whole of their ETF business. Whereas beta shares is a hundred million, yeah, and it just goes to show the difference between the fee loads on those types of ETFs. Yeah. Um, so that's a really interesting thing to keep in mind. Finally, uh, Vanguard is one of the things that I look at with Vanguard, mate. Is the they do these ten-year forecasts, the macroeconomic outlook, or oh, the old uh, chart, the long-term chart. Oh yeah, the yeah. interactive charts. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll put that in the show notes. Just I forgot put about them that. on the walls in the office usually. Yeah, Vanguard interactive charts. I'm going to chuck this in the show notes. It shows the market always goes up. Yeah, <laughs> this is where the concept came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay invested, basically. Um, and these Vanguard interactive charts go back to in Australia, 1970. Yep. And they show interest rates, different asset classes, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, incredible. Every quarter, I think they update them, and people are like, oh, look at the latest chart, and they print <laughs> it off and whatever. And it shows, like, it's the proof is in the pudding, right? Yep. But they also do this macro forecast, which is forward-looking. And it's an attempt, like most of them do, to say, based on valuations across all asset classes, like Australian shares, US shares, blah, 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 what's the expected return? of these asset classes, broadly speaking. Yep. So not forecasting like a, a broker would forecast a stock price. They're saying, based on these statistics, 
the likely outcome is somewhere in this region. So it might be say- Are they ever right? Well, it's hard to know because every, day, every year it's they updated. They change it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but broadly, you'd probably say yes, because they're typically like between four and 8%. And, and what the long-term average return is. is yeah, four to 8%. <laughs> yeah. So you know how you see those like forecasts, like where it's like, I think the stock market's going to be X percent this year. I always just say, it's probably going to be somewhere between four and eight percent, or four and ten percent. I got a folder on my on my uh, favorites called BS calls, <laughs> and most of them is where someone's predicted that or predicted doom, and I just like to remind myself <laughs> how everyone gets it wrong. Yeah, and I think I think that's the folly. Like the folly is basically trying to predict what happens in the short term. We talked about in another one of these short episodes that how hard it is to predict in the short term because it's based on sentiment. Yeah. It's based on what people think. So you're predicting what people are going to think, which is very hard. So control what you can control. Yeah. In this case, cost. Yeah, cost. Um, you know what you're invested in because ETFs from Vanguard are fully transparent. You know exactly what's in there every single day of the week, yep. um, which is more than can be said for a lot of others. But it's fair to say that Vanguard has got secret sauce. Even amongst ETF providers, it has this kind of brand esteem around it where it's very unique and it's very strong. In yep. its messaging, um, a lot of people just say, if you're going to invest in ETF, just go to Vanguard. Yeah. Even quite, the, a, it's it, quite a selection. Even the mighty Warren Buffett, the greatest investor who's ever lived, arguably, says, put it all in I Vanguard. I disagree with that. But yeah. yeah, because I know why you disagree. <laughs> we'll do a separate session on that. But basically, what would be the 30-second the version of that? Why I disagree. Yeah. Well, why do you because disagree with what Warren Buffett says? Because there? he does the complete opposite. Yeah, he does yeah. the complete opposite. Yeah. And tells everyone else to do the opposite. And, you know, if without- Passive investing, you can't be active on the other side, can you? If everyone was passive, then everyone would get the average. Unless you can exploit the average, <laughs> yeah. which we'll talk about when we talk about Warren Buffett. It's just that ownership structure that, that's completely changed the game. Like he's yeah. not just Australia, but finance and investors all over the world. Yeah. Like the ability to have almost a co-op structure in a funds management business. Infinite scale. You can, under, you can understand why it took him 23 years to convince people yeah. that that was, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. It was like his his pitch. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> I could be a trillionaire, but I'm not going to be. <laughs> but it, yeah, it works. And the and the fees keep dropping lower. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's um, proofs in the pudding. Every couple of years, all of the funds drop their fees, basically. And I think this idea of using lower cost core and index fund, whether that's Vanguard or BlackRock or someone else, is it's increasingly making sense. Control what you can control. It's nearly free. So we say beta is free or market mm. returns are free. You, but you, the warning would be you're guaranteed the average. Yep. All you're going to get is the benchmark minus the fee, which isn't much, and that's it. It'll be it'll do whatever the market does. Yeah. Um, another counterpoint might be just on that. We'll cover that separately. But another counterpoint might be we're seeing more companies stay in private markets, not come unless their shares on the stock exchange, yep. which means that there's fewer stocks on the stock exchange, yep. um, which obviously hurts passive investing because, or like index funds, because they can only track the index of which there are stocks in it. Yep. So if there are fewer stocks in it, you're not going to get as much exposure. Yeah. And, and we've said in the past, indexing isn't for everything in every asset class and every sector and every yeah. country. Yeah. So that is Vanguard. If you want to learn more about Vanguard, which I know a lot of you do, uh, you can head to the Vanguard Australia website. We'll also put a link in for the Vanguard Interactive Charts. I'll put a link into our website, Best ETFs, which lists the Australian uh, ETFs, that not just from Vanguard, from everyone that's available. Uh, there are some free reports on that website as well for the particular uh, ETFs that are really popular. And there's a book written by John Bogle called The Little Book of Common Sense Investing, which everyone who reads this says it changes their 
life <laughs> so, and the way they go about investing. So maybe that's a good sign that it's worth reading. Um, but Drew, if people it, want to find out more about you. Is it easier to read than the Benjamin Well, Graham? I've never read it. I've never read it. So I'm just recommending it <laughs> without even reading it. Because everyone who comes on the show basically says, it's a brilliant book. Read it. Yeah. Okay. Some are reading. By the end of this series, I'm going to read the book. Done. Me too. Done. Okay. Deal. Okay. Deal. That's we'll get to page 10. We'll both be like, I'm what are you up to? <laughs> Shh, don't mention it. That's it. <laughs> so, Drew, people can head to waddlepartners.com.au slash contact. Yes. Um, you'll find the link in your podcast play. You can get in contact with Drew and the financial planning team at Waddle Partners. Email is uh, always appreciated. Yeah, emails. Yeah, are great. So, uh, check out the show notes for that. And you can find me on any of the RASC websites. Uh, and you can also get in contact with us via the RASC websites. There's a menu item that says, ask a question. Just select the Australian Investors Podcast. Well, Matt, that was 21 minutes. We went slightly over time, but uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.